Hello and welcome to a special intro to a special edition episode of the Southside Trap Podcast. Happy New Year and welcome back everybody. It's your girl Sandra. Claire and I got together this weekend to discuss all things NWSL Draft. It's going to be taking place this week, Thursday, January 10th, 2019 at McCormick Place. So if you are local to Chicago, you should come through and support. Uh, on that note, I also want to take a moment to plug a special event that's taking place. It's hosted by Supporters Group Chicago Local 134. It is taking place Wednesday as the night before draft party at Punch Bowl Social. And there's a lot of cool stuff that you could do there. You can get your drink on. You can get your grub on. You can do karaoke. You can do all kinds of good stuff. And you can link up with some really cool people from Chicago and have a good time. So check out Chicago Local 134 on all their social media handles, their Twitter, their Instagram, their Facebook. You can RSVP and check in there. And hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap podcast. It's your girl, Sandra, and I'm here with my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins to talk about some good stuff. It's a special draft day edition episode because the draft is happening this week. It's finally upon us, y'all. Claire, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. Happy New Year. Stuff is about to happen. <laughs> I think I tweeted not too long ago uh, where I said something along the lines of uh, to remind everybody to not forget that with a new year, comes a lot of new NWSL moves and news and stuff like that. The off season has been a little bit dry. <laughs> Not a ton of stuff has happened. Um, the North Carolina Courage made a trade with Seattle for Darren Jenkins. So now the Seattle Reign have a forward in Jenkins. And the NC Courage now have two picks in the first round draft because apparently that's necessary for them. And uh, some recent news out of Utah is that Laura Harvey made a trade or a move. She made a signing. She didn't make a trade. She made a signing for Spanish international um, Vero Boquete, and she's back actually in NWSL. This isn't her first go-around. She was formerly a Portland Thorn. A long time ago she had ties with Chicago Red Stars in the WPSL. So she's uh, definitely a veteran player, and we all know that Laura Harvey loves her some veteran international stars who are still good at club level. So welcome to welcome back to the NWSL, Vero, and the United States Women's National Team January Camp roster finally dropped. And some red stars are on there, and that's awesome. There's five. Alyssa Nair, Julie Ertz, Casey Short. Morgan Bryan is back on there, and Danny Colaprico got a callback in after those end-of-year friendlies that she had. So, good stuff. Claire, what are your thoughts on any of this news that dropped? Yeah, uh, it, that that feels like a lot of news, even though over time it's felt like no news at all. Um, yeah, well, there's a couple things to speak on one being that and we'll get into this a little bit later um the first round is definitely dominated by a few teams uh dominated by chicago and by sky blue um and also north carolina now has two picks which it'll be interesting to see if those are ones that they're trying to deal out or if they're actually they might just pick some people up um and yeah well and and then also jumping to the uh, U.S. Women's National Team roster, there's some interesting stuff there. I mean, we all knew that Morgan Bryan was going to be called back in. That was – Jill, I think, literally said that um, when she was left out from the end-of-the-year friendlies. Um, and Danny getting called back in is really interesting because I think we knew at the end of those friendlies that she was in front of the depth chart of, say, Andy Sullivan. Um, but – it seems at this point that she's take you know Ellis is taking another look at her while leaving someone like Allie Long out of that midfield pool. So it's serious. It's getting into kind of serious business with uh, with Danny. Um, I still wouldn't get too ahead of ourselves. I don't think this necessarily. It'll mean more maybe once the friendlies are done. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. I think probably 
right now Danny is sitting maybe one injury away from really being a factor in the World Cup next this year. It's 2019 New Year. <laughs> I've done this a couple times. It's this year. Um, but it's it's great news for her, and and I I do hope it goes well. I hope she gets to play against a team like France. I think that would be very cool. Yeah, I love that. It's this January camp is going to lead into two friendlies against two good European squads in Europe. Um, and it's going to be in a World Cup year. And I think it's really important that certain players get that time in against a team like France in a World Cup year. Like even somebody like McCall Zerboni, who's coming back off of a sort of a messed up injury. She hurt her elbow and had to do some surgery and have some rehab on that. So she's going to be back in the mix. And she had a phenomenal 2018, really made an impact with the United States Women's National Team. Tierna Davidson has also uh, been named to this, this roster in this camp. Um, and she had an ankle injury happen to her while she was playing with Stanford. So it's going to be really good to see sort of what she has been bringing and sort of see, like, where she's left off as far as her competitiveness um, on this national team. So I'm excited to see what happens. I'm real excited to see Morgan Bryan back in the mix. Uh, you know how I feel about that. I feel like Morgan Bryan had a pretty good club season there in the second half for the Red Stars, and I think you and I both have said multiple times on the show and in our writing that not enough people were talking about that. And I think um, it was a real testament to sort of see Morgan Bryan come back into the NWSL, come back to the Red Stars, and then sort of put together some games with the Red Stars going into the playoffs, and you sort of saw the type of player that – she is and what she can provide and hopefully we still get to see that in 2019 so I'm excited about it but that's gonna those games are going to be later on in in January on the 19th and the 22nd so it's France is going to be on January 19th and then it's going to be against Spain on the 22nd and that first game is going to be on Fox Sports and the other one's going to be on ESPN so if you're thirsty for looking for some Red Stars playing on the pitch, you should probably check out those games. But if you're thirsty for general NWSL news, that's going to happen very soon because the NWSL draft is coming up. And it's weird to sort of talk about this because I feel ever since the 2018 season came to a close, it sort of felt like this offseason is going to feel so long. And because of sort of the non-explosiveness going on, you know, as far as news and the rumor mill and things like that, it's felt kind of dry this off season. And so things like, you know, we did a whole podcast just because Danny Colaprico got <laughs> called in to a camp and got time. And we were like, we should do a podcast about that because number one, she deserves it. And she's amazing. And number two, because there was not a whole lot going on in the off season. So it's so weird to sort of have this 2019 finally like fall on us and the draft is literally days away and it's here in Chicago and I'm really excited about that because Chicago all roads lead back to Chicago you guys should know that by now if you listen to this podcast all roads lead here and I think it's pretty epic that this draft is taking place here especially when the NWSL has a team like the Red Stars who have been so sort of historic as far as their influence within draft days do you have any like special thoughts or special feelings about the draft being held in chicago claire uh, i'm excited um it's gonna be fun um i i am excited for the draft here i think it's great that chicago has so many picks in the first round um and i maybe wish that a little more was happening Leading into the draft, I think that um, there could be some more things to uh, be excited about than we have right now. But uh, but yeah, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be really impressive. And obviously, you know, we all know what happened come draft day last year. So I think Chicago, you know, might have some uh, some thoughts and some opinions about how the day should go down. I'm excited too. But I wanted to talk a little bit about sort of the Red Stars and the draft, kind of more like in a recap kind of like the history of what they've gone through on certain draft days. I mean, you're talking, you talked about it a little bit right now. Like, I think it's hard to believe that anything could top last year's draft in Philly. 
with the big mega blockbuster trade that had everybody talking, even outside of the women's soccer community. You had major outlets covering it just because of the names that were involved in, in the trade and stuff like that. Uh, so it, it's hard to, to top that. But Chicago, for me personally, I think they've done pretty well um, in their drafts in the past. And I always have appreciated Chicago just sort of being that team to instill that that belief and sort of uh, sort of have that built within their culture of like this is a team that we're going to build up through the draft and they had some some good picks in in twenty in twenty thirteen I think the the most memorable is probably Jen Hoy because she was a late fourth round pick uh, but they also had that first round pick number one pick in twenty thirteen and they chose. Sakaya Bywaters from UCLA, who was, you know, supposed to be really, really awesome. And she was. She had a great collegiate career with UCLA. But unfortunately, like a lot of players in soccer, she ended up getting hurt and getting injured. And that really ended up sort of um, putting kind of an end to, to her soccer playing career. And it sucks because I think the intention in drafting somebody like Bywaters back in 2013 was sort of the start for the Red Stars to be like, we want to be this sort of like young, ambitious, like go-getting kind of team. So like choosing a forward like that in that first round and then choosing somebody like Jen Hoy with that like last round, last pick, I thought was was pretty significant. But um, things happen. And Jen Hoy was somebody who ended up being on the Red Stars for a very, very long time. Uh, ended up being sort of a fan favorite. And ended up coming up in some pretty important games for the Red Star, uh, scoring some some big memorable goals. So um, that was cool. But I think for the Red Stars, when you look at their team now, I think everybody – well, maybe not everybody because a lot of people actually throw it to 2015 where they got the big three – in, in Huerta, Colabrico, and, and Gillen. But, but for me, I think that it really started in 2014 when when they made the, the draft picks for, you know, they went ahead and they got Julie Ertz with the number three pick, and then they went back-to-back back and got DiBernardo with that fourth pick. And it was like, how could that even happen? But it did. Um, and I think in those first two years, I think the the idea was already there. The idea was like, yeah, we're going to build this team up through the draft. We're going to get younger. We're going to get more athletic. And we're going to compete. And I think that was really the intention, at least behind those first two years. you have any thoughts on those first two years? Yeah, I think it, it brings up um, an interesting topic of, I guess, potential. Um, even in just, you, you look at 2013, where maybe there was some potential that went untapped ultimately um but even if you look at two players like you know julie uh, johnson at the time and then uh, uh vanessa di bernardo um where they both were coming off of that 2012 u20 uh victory um they were both major players in that squad they were about as vetted as you could get as young players coming into the league and um had equal potential and I would say that it, it's, it, to me, it's just funny if you look at kind of where we are now, where I would say the potential has played out beautifully with both players, except just one is making a lot more money than the other one is now. Uh, and and that's just the reality of, of, I guess, you know, the opportunities given given to these players. But I think that um, those are those are two individuals where the the potential and like the upside pretty much hit the fucking ceiling because they've both been incredible and consistent um and it also and and we can talk about this too just um I think Chicago's been rewarded in a way I think one of the nice things about developing through the draft is um you earn some player loyalty because if you're the first person if you are the first team to invest in a player uh, you know, that becomes a working relationship that maybe has a little bit more flexibility than, of you know, grabbing a player for one year or two years after they're a little bit more established. So um, I think that Ertz and DiBernardo are a really good example of that as well. I really appreciate those early drafts because I also feel like they also, along with sort of establishing like the vision, like, okay, this is what the Red Stars are trying to do. They're trying to build their roster now to compete in the future in NWSL. But along with like making those picks, I also feel like you started to see 
the kind of habits or the the the, the sort of drafting habits of what people consider now a draft king and, and Rory names sort of looking at the local teams uh, Rory with his uh, Rory Dames with his background in um, Eclipse uh, soccer club and being able to sort of see this talent coming in whether it's just been gen- in general through the Midwest and at a very young age through youth club soccer and you sort of s- saw that early on in those early drafts and I think these next couple of years, I'm going to go through really quickly in the draft in 2015 and then in 2016, I think was just what solidified the team because you had those early drafts and then getting those players. And then the draft in 2015 and 2016 ended up, you know, they ended up drafting some players who are, again, still with the team and sort of ended up kind of, I think, rounding out the roster in general, but also sort of, you know, the starting lineup depending on the day of the week or who's gone on whoever's gone on national team duty right but in tw- in 2015 it is particularly memorable for a lot of people because they came away the Red Stars came away with what I think is considered now sort of top tier players in, in at least in the NWSL level they in the first round they had another sort of uh, back-to-back pick and they went and they got Aaron Gilliland with their their eighth pick and then they got Danny Colaprico with their ninth pick and then in that early second round they drafted Sofia Huerta from Santa Clara. And just thinking about that now is like, it's so epic. I, you can't sugarcoat that. You have to you have to put respect on the name. Like the Chicago Red Stars had, they went from having a great draft in 2014 to having an even better draft in 2015 to having players who could just jump in right away and make an impact because you're talking about three young players coming onto a team in a world cup year, making the roster in a world cup year and having an impact. You had both Sofia Huerta and Danny Colaprico sort of vying for that rookie of the year accolade. And like you knew no matter what a red star was going to get it. And it ended up being Danny Colaprico which was which was awesome and Sofia Huerta just had a phenomenal rookie season and scoring a ton of goals you know and being this playmaker for the Red Stars and someone who was stepped up while you had such a prolific goal scorer and like Kristen Press off on World Cup duty and it was really those players on that 2015 roster that really helped keep the Red Stars afloat and, and very dominant in that 2015 season where for a while there they were fluctuating between the first seed and the second seed and they ended up I think rounding out that year as the number two seed but that 2015 draft class will I think forever sort of be one of the most uh, epic and I think the the 2016 draft class is is pretty memorable too because you you had the Red Stars just make second round picks and their their number one pick didn't come until like the second round and that was in Katie Naughton and Katie Naughton has just become this this staple on on the Red Stars back line she's one of the best center backs in the NWSL it's crazy Claire had to steal the mic on that one and I'm not mad because she's not wrong respect Katie Naughton um I think there's some there's some people out there and by people I probably mean just like Chicagoans who are in the press box well, you know, I mean, we believe that she's probably one of the uncapped center backs in this league, and she's probably right up there with Vanessa DiBernardo as far as, you know, American players who don't have a cap to their name at the moment. But it was wild to sort of sit through a draft and then not see the Red Stars have a pick until the second round, and then they made that, that second-round pick in, in Katie Naughton, and then they didn't select Sarah Gordon until the third round from DePaul but again this was just it was just another example of Dames and making his picks and being wise about you know his his experiences and sort of recruiting players you know at the club level and sort of at the, at the youth club level and sort of being that that sort of mastermind and like the vision and having all of that vision and awareness of what's going on in the Midwest and staying local so it was cool to see all of them sort of round out the Red Stars. So for me, 2015 and 2016 really sort of created 
what a lot of I think the people look at the Red Stars and, and who they are. Yeah, I um I totally agree. I think and and again we'll be talking about this a little bit more when we just talk about what's gonna happen this year, but um yeah, the uh the um, it's it's remarkable even to just look like two or three years back and think about the amount of opportunity for a player coming in to the draft. Um and also I think that Chicago has a really good history of giving its players a fair shot at making the roster. When when Chicago drafts you, it's because they want you to come in and they want you to compete for that role. And I'm not sure that's necessarily true for all of the teams. Um, and, you know, you see someone like Sarah Gordon who came in and made the roster and then has only improved over time and made that commitment and just decided that this was, you know, the life that she wanted to, to have. And it's it's really cool um it's just again I keep going back to the idea of just like a relationship between a coaching staff and a player pool where everyone's really invested in each other and the draft isn't a cool opportunity to do that so um yeah I I you go back to 2015 I'm not sure that's ever gonna happen again what Chicago did I don't think it can unless we get you know multiple new teams and expansion and there's just a wide kind of influx of players coming in but it's incredible to think about even now that was four years ago and it seems so far away that's wild that's wild so when when this season starts in 2019 uh for the red stars players like aaron gillen and danny colaprigo that this will mark like their fifth year with the red stars and that's that's wild because the league is only entering its seventh season. So I think that that's, that's pretty remarkable sort of considering some of the things that we've seen or discussed in regards to just general things like, Oh, the lifespan of a women's professional soccer player. Like that's wild to me that there are players on this team who can say that they've been with a team for five years or six years. Like that's, that's crazy. And some of the younger players, you know, might, have the opportunity to say that in the future so like with with 2017 and 2018 uh in, t- in 2017 the rest of us drafted again they didn't have a <laughs> they ended up trading out and like having their picks in the second round and they ended up drafting uh michelle vasconcelos and and morgan profit and lauren caskey and these were all players that ended up well vasconcelos ended up taking the year off because she got pregnant and had baby scarlet but Morgan Profit and Lauren Kasky ended up being players who made the roster and they contributed to the Chicago Red Stars during that season. Morgan Profit was ended up being sort of defensive mid and uh, center back help. And Lauren Kasky was a, a midfield depth for the team that year. So it was cool to sort of see them have that role, even though Michelle Vasconcelos ended up um, having the year off and I felt like Vasconcelos was somebody that they drafted to sort of address the winger issue for the Chicago Red Stars and drafting somebody like well first of all somebody like Michelle Vasconcelos who had dropped to the second round number one which I think was a, maybe a little bit shocking for some maybe maybe not shocking for others but she was you know sort of slotted as this sort of first round talent but no one ended up taking her in that first round and so they made the trade to, to get her. And then Morgan Profit ended up, unfortunately, later on becoming a part of a midseason trade. She ended up being waived for, to make way for Morgan Bryan. Well, waived to make way for Christy Mewis, who ended up being traded to make way for Morgan Bryan. And I just want to say that last year, when I had a one-on-one with, with Rory Dames heading into the 2018 season, he mentioned... Like he, he considers Morgan Bryan part of his draft class because of all of the draft picks that he inherited and used to essentially get Morgan Bryan to the Red Stars. It was a lot, and he ended up getting Morgan Bryan, and she's sort of a permanent Red Star, more or less. She's settled in, and she's uh, becoming a bit of a Chicagoan. So it's kind of wild to sort of see how that all came full circle, knowing what we know now versus what we knew then and then for 2018 I I don't want this to go unnoticed because 
2018, everyone's forever going to talk about the blockbuster trade. It was the, it was the day that the Chicago Red Stars got Sam Kerr, and that was huge. It was a, a big deal, and it was all anybody was really, really talking about on that draft day. But talk a lot about on the show about putting respect on people's names, and you got to put respect on Emily Boyd. Because let me tell you something about 2019. It's a World Cup, and it's about to be the year of Emily Boyd, y'all. How do you feel about 2017 and 2018 drafts, Claire? Uh, well, I mean, it, it's kind of what I was alluding to before. I think you can see the, you know, the amazing thing about Chicago's drafts is, especially from the early years, um, a lot of those players have stayed. And very few of them have been lost to either trades or retirement. But one of the things about that is there's less room. So you see with um, with some of the most recent draft classes, there's just left less – it's small roster. And there's some really – a lot of really good players on there, and they're not going anywhere. And so that is a, just kind of a modern issue with NWSL in general, which is if no one's going anywhere and we're not getting any bigger, who's coming in? Um but yeah, no, the number one most important move of the 2018 draft was absolutely picking up Emily Boyd and she's going to be so important this year. Um, and I'm stoked. I think talk about, and it's, it's vision too, in the draft, you know, uh, Chicago's coaching staff knew that last year, what they were going to need, uh, going into the 2019 season and they planned for it and now it's taken care of. So they don't have to worry about it now, which is awesome so I mean Emily Emily Boyd I mean you mentioned how like they're gonna really have to rely on Emily Boyd this season but I mean there were moments last year where they had to rely on her I mean (laughs) Emily Boyd I I made I made this joke about Emily or I made this I made this joke about the Red Stars because I one of the things I kept getting asked about like towards the end of the year as they as the Red Stars entered the playoffs was sort of oh like what do you think like the turning point of the Red Stars was and I made this joke about how like it was against the Washington Spirit because there's this amazing gif of Sam Kerr just sort of popping like in dancing post game with her teammates and she's unaware that she's being filmed and of course a, a beautiful gif was made of it and so I always joke that that's a turning point but I really do believe that that is the turning point because it was a win that came for, for a team that was struggling to actually get wins, they were going on a huge, like, series of draws. And it was like, okay, well, when is this team actually going to win a game? You know, and then you had national teamers that were out. You had uh, players that were working themselves back in. And you had rookie goalkeeper and Emily Boyd come up with a shutout that ended up being huge because it was it ended up being an important win for the Red Stars, and then she ended up uh, lacing up again towards the end of the season and, and got another one. And so I think that was just a little bit of a preview of, you know, Emily Boyd and, and who she is and what she could do for the Red Stars, and I'm really excited um, to see what she's going to bring in 2019. And I think it's really important that you mentioned about players in the past being drafted and how, you know, it was likely for them to come in and, and compete and honestly compete for a roster spot. But like you said, with – you know, with having these players and keeping them and retaining them year after year, it, it makes those positions become even harder to obtain, such as the NWSL. So I know I didn't go over uh, a lot of the draft picks or, or each single draft pick that the Red Stars ever did. If you want uh, a refresher of that, you can definitely go visit their website. They put out a piece talking about all the draft picks that they've ever made. Uh, we just wanted to talk a bit about some of the more notable ones and sort of the players that have um, become who the Red Stars are and what the roster is. Um, but shout out to all the players who were drafted from the Red Stars and still are actually trying to pursue being, you know, professional soccer players. I know towards the end of last season there, we had players like Alexa Ben pursue some opportunities overseas. You have uh, Brie Vizali right now is in West Ham. Um, so that's really cool. So, yeah, the Red Stars have sort of shown, you know, they've shown us who who we thought they were. They, they have – memorable and epic uh drafts and that sort of leads us to now in 2019 for the chicago red stars on draft day that is going to be held on their home turf in chicago so what is that gonna mean for the red stars 
I think that the Chicago Red Stars still, to this day, need to figure out their winger situation. But I feel like they're not going to figure that out in the draft. What do you think the Red Stars should be looking at heading into this draft? So, I mean, we've, we've said this before. Um, they've got three draft picks in the first round. Um, if we're really breaking it down, if we're getting real, the first round is really all that matters this year probably, just not because of the talent level, but just because of roster size. The, the, the impact players are going in the first nine picks. Chicago has three of those. Does Chicago want to take college players with those three picks, or do they want to – uh, use those as collateral to get something that they need. This draft class does not come with a top winger option. Haley Mace can play anywhere on the field, but I don't anticipate U.S. soccer wanting her to be a winger. Um, also, we have questions of who's even going to be available in the draft. Um Obviously, I think at this point, and, and by the time this goes out, this might be official, it might not. Um, most, I, I believe all of the top American seniors are going to be um, in this draft. So you're looking at Haley Mace, you're looking at Julia Ashley, Tracy McGrady, all of those, they're going to be in the draft. Um, probably most of the internationals who have played in the college system are not. And then the other big question is, is Tierna Davidson going to be available? And that actually opens up kind of a whole can of worms for Chicago because if they were thinking trading these picks, you got Tierna Davidson, she comes in, she's free, she's really good. That really kind of messes with those plans. And so uh, Chicago probably knows about as much as we do right now what's going to end up happening on draft day because there are still a lot of factors going into it. I think that as of as of right now, the the list for players who have declared and made themselves eligible for the draft has been updated twice, and it recently um, got updated, and it didn't have that big name on there in Tierna Davidson. So I think a player like that is really going to shake some things up. What I do appreciate about this year is that the I believe the deadline was moved up by a few hours, <laughs> which I got to say, if you've ever worked the draft, that counts. It's not ideal, but it counts, and it makes a huge, huge difference. Just to refresh people's memory, there was a lot of – what ifs and what's going on in regards to Andy Sullivan and her making herself eligible for the draft. She was, uh, you know, pegged as the number one pick that she was going to be drafted first. The Washington spirit had that first round pick. And I believe the cutoff last year was midnight. And this year it is actually scheduled for the day before, but it's, it's still the day before, but it's like, 4 p.m. Eastern Central, like, Eastern Time, 3 p.m., like, Central Standard Time. So, in that sense, it helps even a little bit. At the very least, people can maybe sleep, question mark, you know, knowing that there's draft the next day and you can sort of have a little bit of a better idea of who you're taking or if you're going to take anything. And it'll maybe, and who knows, knowing the Red Stars, uh, who knows? Maybe that'll give them time to work on a trade if they want to work on a trade. Because going off of last year, you know, they for me, they kind of showed that they're not afraid to make that kind of big trade on draft day versus, you know, what we've always known about them, which is if you got a good pick, maybe, <laughs> maybe draft, take a player, and then maybe draft for even more picks. You think you got more picks now? Hey, let's draft for some more picks in the future because that's what the Red Stars uh, have sort of historically done. So they've drafted either like a local kid and then they've maybe traded away for some more draft picks. But last year it was like, no, let's have a big blockbuster trade. So I think with this year, sort of right now, again, like you said, we we might not have the updated list until next week or who knows when this epi when this episode finally does air there might be an even more updated list uh, 
and somebody like Tierna Davidson may or may not be on that list, and that is going to definitely impact what some teams may or may not do. And I think that the Chicago Red Stars have some really good picks. They have the first, sixth, and seventh pick in that first round. So that's three picks. And for me, I think that's like one too many picks for Rory Dames in the first round. So I feel like he could maybe trade something away. But I I think at this point I wouldn't be shocked either way if they end up making a pick or making a trade. I agree, and there are a lot of factors to that. But I think I'm not the thing that you said that I didn't respond to, which I should have, which is um, they don't necessarily need central defensive depth. They've got some. Um, Tierna Davidson is an incredible player, and as we said, she's likely to be allocated. There are very big implications on what that could mean for Chicago's cap. But that's not what they need right now. What they need are scoring options, particularly with width. And they don't have those, and they're not going to get it in the draft. This is a strong draft defensively. There are a lot of really great utility players also coming in through this draft. Chicago doesn't need those. They need people who can fill one role in an attacking formation um, because they're not going to have a lot of that um, during the World Cup break uh, in 2019. Um, and in a way it puts Chicago, it puts Chicago in a weird bind because as you can imagine, if someone like Tierna Davidson does come in, there's probably going to be pressure from us soccer to, uh, for Chicago to kind of do the things that us soccer would like them to do. Um, I don't think it's a secret that there are probably some clubs that a player like Tierna Davidson will not go to simply won't. Um, and I think, then also, if you're trying to make deals, that just makes it more complicated. Um, so it, it's a, it's a, it's an odd thing. We have a club right now that still doesn't have a head coach. Um, we have two very new head coaches rolling in. We have you know Sky Blue, which like God knows what's going on over there, um, and it's a really complicated thing. And I'm sure that. Um, even if Chicago would like to do the most logical, best thing for their club right now, there are a lot of factors that could maybe stop them from doing that. Um, that being said, if Chicago took every pick that they had, I support that. There are good players out there. It's all good. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a complicated situation. Yeah, no, I agree. I, it's weird because I feel like some of the narrative around this particular draft class was not I don't want to say it was it was kind of dull but it I just feel like this particular draft class has is, is not been hyped maybe in like past years draft classes you know and getting I, I think during the 2018 season when the Red Stars were a part of another sort of multi-team trade mid-season where they got the rights to Kristen Press back and then they traded them to Utah and several players were moved around like Sophia Huerta and uh, Sam Johnson and Taylor Camel. They ended up getting even more draft picks for, they got the number one for this year. That's why they're drafting number one. And they've got picks for 2020 and I supposedly 2021. Um, so we'll see how that happens. But I think in getting that 2019, that first round 2019 pick, I think Rory Dame sort of knew that because of it being a number one pick, no matter the draft class, that was going to be a very valued pick regardless of the class coming in. But I think as the draft comes closer and looms much nearer, that somebody like Tierna Davidson and her prospects become, they start looking like much more valuable. Even if you are a team that, like the wrestlers, that maybe doesn't need center back depth so I think a lot of it does hinge on what that final player eligibility list looks like and I'm with you I I wouldn't be mad if they end up deciding to just keep all their picks and make all their picks and I also wouldn't be mad if they package them for something uh they I'm you know they know their needs they know what they're trying to look for um but draft day is only fun if you can speculate. So, Claire, I'm going to ask you, 
if you're the GM of the Chicago Red Stars, do you make a trade for somebody? And if you do, who do you want? Okay. So it's draft week. Things are either happening or they're not. So I'm really going to go for it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to speak my truth. Um, there was some word uh, this weekend about uh, Katie Johnson probably leaving Sky Blue to uh, to go elsewhere. And I think we both expressed that she was a player that we always kind of hoped we could get over to, to Chicago to add to their attacking depth um, in a similar fashion. I think Chicago could wheel and deal with Sky Blue for someone like Savannah McCaskill. Um, especially, like I said, this is a defender-heavy draft, and Sky Blue desperately needs those, um, and Chicago does not. So that is a team that if they were willing to work with Chicago, there could be some mutually beneficial stuff there. Um, I'd love to see someone like Savannah McCaskill play for Chicago. Um, I think another obvious one, and, and we can go into this, but um, Chicago has dealt with the dash before. Uh, and I know that maybe that's a touchy subject uh, down a Texas way, but um, I think that that's another situation where they also need defenders and Chicago does not. Um, and Houston has some attacking depth right now with players who maybe, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think that there are some players uh, who – are playing for Houston right now who could really fill a role in Chicago. Um, and I think that that's another situation that could be uh, mutually beneficial. I'm going to be honest. I think probably the rest of the other teams are a little bit too locked up. We're at this point where these rosters are pretty much set. Um, so I'm not sure how much room people have to move. But I think it's kind of funny because you talk about the perennials. Those are the teams that Chicago deals with. And sometimes – you know, it, it really works out. So, I think that if I'm the GM, because we're talking this before the yeah, GMs, I think if I'm the GM, I think yeah, you're probably looking to do, if you, if you're talking trade, I think you're probably looking to do like more multi-team. I don't know if it's gonna be, I don't know if it would be something. I, I don't know if a, a team-to-team trade could be doable this close to the draft or on draft day. So I think either on draft day or approaching draft day, whichever, it would have to maybe sort of be like multi-team. And I think it would just be like just sort of hilarious deja vu if it ends up being Chicago Sky Blue in the dash again in 2019. Now, I think when it was initially uh, put out there about somebody like Katie Johnson sort of looking at uh, her options outside and of sky blue and, and in Europe, but it's, it's sad. We kind of think we have to talk about that for a second. It's sad because it, it kind of didn't come as a shock or a surprise to anyone. And that's sad because she's not the only player who has sort of looked at other options. I believe Re Rebecca Stott was one of them. She's going to be gone. Some of these players already have things lined up for them that they were announced back in November uh, during the off season. And that it's sad because you, you, look at that and you're like, wow, I really wish that the NWSL was the place for these players to thrive. And unfortunately, it's been well documented and, and reported on and written about Sky Blue and their sort of never-ending woes. And this offseason doesn't really look as if – they haven't exactly given the impression as if they've made adjustments or improvements. And I think – if you're still sort of blind to that, nothing is more telling than when you have players, rostered players, who are looking for other options than to return back to that specific club. So I know myself, you, Claire, and some other folks sort of mentioned how that could be a player who, if they were in Chicago system, could possibly thrive. I don't think that's likely, actually. Again, this is all specular stuff. I really don't think that's likely. I think, uh, according to what's been put out there, she's uh, in discussions with some clubs, specifically in England, and we'll s eventually see what happens there. I would have loved for somebody like Katie Johnson to be able to sort of stay, be drafted into the NWSL and stay and, and work on her professional soccer career here in the NBSL. But good for her. If she ends up going to Europe, that'll be awesome. 
But I think that when I put that out there, you know, people were kind of wondering, like, well, how that could look like or what that could look like. And the f- I just went back to the fact that the Red Stars have those three picks in the first round of the draft and how something like that could be sort of lucrative for a team like Sky Blue because – not to sound like a jerk, but if you got players who are constantly leaving, you're going to need some players to fill that roster, at the very least compete for your roster. And I think maybe something, even if the wrestlers want to hang on to their first-round pick and use it for them on themselves, you still have some picks at 6 and 7 that will be very viable. So, you know, there's there's a lot of potential there to move. And I, and I think it's important that you mention those two teams in the dash and Sky Blue who need – to address some defensive issues. And the Red Stars, on the other hand, are sort of locked up there. So it'd be interesting to see if the teams could sort of find something uh, amongst the three of them where players can be moved or picks can be moved and stuff like that. If you don't know or you haven't been aware, for the Dash, they, they're one of the teams that finally hired a head coach or, or and the Spirit are someone who finally <laughs> announced that coach very – New to the NWSL, Orlando is still out as far as that's that's vacant. They still don't have uh they still don't have a head coach, but recently, for those of you who don't follow Jen Cooper Keeper Notes, uh, hosted an event and they had their recent head coach in Clarkson and he talked a little bit about there was a Q and A and God bless those wonderful and loyal Dash fans because they came out hot with the questions right away and they asked if there were any players that did not want to come back to the dash and Clarkson God bless him very carefully tried to express how there might be some players that he might have to work on as far as being able to retain them because there are things that come into play in the new year as far as contracts and certain players and things like that and for me, personally, I just can't help but think of a very specific player because a very specific player has been written about in the offseason, and that player is Sofia Huerta. Uh, you had some articles specifically on Equalizer, and Claire, you could probably uh, testify to this because you, <laughs> you play both sides here and you also rep EQZ. Uh, but there were some, uh, there were a couple stories that came out about Sofia Huerta and, and her off season in W League right now, and I believe uh, John Heller wrote up about that. And Danaletta came out with something with Clarkson uh, talking about how he's working very hard to talk to Sofia Huerta all of the time. <laughs> so I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts about that. <sighs> you know what? So. Nothing in the NWSL happens until it happens. And you also have things that people would like to happen that then don't happen. And then also there's a lot of things involved. But here here are the facts. Here's what we know. Uh, Sofia Huerta is probably outside of the U.S. Women's National Team picture for 2019. Uh, Sofia Huerta uh, has had a tenuous relationship with her new club, perhaps, since arriving. She's really succeeded there in a lot of ways. Um, but she also very publicly expressed some discomfort in the way she was moved. Um, uh, Sophia Huerta has a lot of love for the city of Chicago. She likes it here. She considers it her home base. Um, there are some non-soccer reasons why she might be amenable to a situation where she finds herself back in Chicago. Um, whether anyone else will let that happen, we don't know. But, um... She uh, checks off a lot of boxes for Chicago. Uh, it's and I know I bet it sounds crazy to anyone listening to this right now. I I think it's only okay to say that because it's the NWSL. Right, exactly. It's the NWSL and draft days literally days away, and you never know what could happen. And watch this be like the boringest draft of all time. Know. You know what I mean. None of this matters. Like, it's just going to match the off season. It's going to be dry. Everyone's just going to. No, nothing's going to happen. Everyone's just going to make their picks and go home. Everyone's going to make their picks and go out and get some delicious thin crust pizza because 
that's like what it is. That's what it is. And that's it. So, no. Uh, this is all fun. I'm really excited about draft day. Um, I know we're all excited about draft day because it is going to be here in Chicago. And those of us at Hot Time will be present and we will be covering this draft. We've got we've got some things in the works for coverage coming up. So that includes this episode. We're going to be on draft day hitting you up with all of the moves if they happen or any picks that happen on our Twitter account and we're going to hit you with some post game reaction or post game oh my god post draft reactions and then probably a general recap as well. So please look out for that during draft day and post draft as well. I'm going to let you plug yourself, man. This is the calm before the storm, so just enjoy it and let the good people know where they can find you and your work. Uh, yeah, I'm anticipating so much content on both uh, Hot Time in Old Town and at the Equalizer. Um, you know, there's going to be full full teams for, for both websites at the draft, which is very cool. Um, people should come report on the stuff that happens, and so I'm excited to be part of two organizations that are doing that. Um, and I'll as I will be there, you can follow me on Twitter – uh at scout ripley which is also the name of my band i almost made a terrible mistake and booked a show the night before the draft but that's not happening so go to local 134's party instead uh uh but yeah i think that's that's all of my stuff no i'm i'm really excited to really dive into stuff this week i think it's going to be a great time yeah no same i covered a draft uh last year at philly and i'm really excited to be covering the draft this year in my hometown so i'm really excited about it so if you want to follow me and my shenanigans you could do that on twitter at sandra underscore that's h-e-r-r-e-r-a underscore if you want to continue to support southside trap podcast you can also do that on twitter at southside trap pod with one letter p guys that's southside trap pod and you can also check us out on podbean and you can check us out on itunes and you can go ahead and subscribe and give us a rating like a nice rating and maybe leave us a comment like a nice comment and we've read them they're actually really nice things you guys have actually done this all five of you who listen to this show have actually done that and we really appreciate you for that so we're ready to rock and roll happy new year to everybody we cannot wait to provide you some more coverage of 2019 and the season to come so everybody take it easy